Welcome to the TEA Disruptors podcast. Today we're continuing our generative AI series and have uh, some new groundbreaking research about how ChatGPT might be able to outperform the average candidate in a series of different assessment types. And that research uh, has been led by our very own senior data scientist, Jasper, Jasper Wolf. And Jasper brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise in data analysis, cognitive neuroscience, and actually many other areas. Well, firstly, thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm so excited to be able to present our research. So my background is a slightly diverse one. So I studied neuroscience, statistics, and philosophy at UCL in an interdisciplinary degree. And my role at Arctic Shores has really evolved as Arctic Shores has evolved, I guess, and as we've, particularly as we've gotten more data, and we now have data from millions of candidates, and so my role has evolved from a research psychology uh, role into one where I'm taking the methodologies of data science uh, and applying them to our industry of uh, recruitment and selection. But it's not just me necessarily who's interdisciplinary, it's really everyone at the company that I interact with who brings a wealth of expertise from so many different fields. And that's really the, the benefit of what we do at Arctic Shores. We can take methodologies from data science or from computational psychiatry and apply them to the industry that we work in. And the research that we've done into ChatGPT is really just the continuation of that, taking the cutting edge of what uh, is coming out of uh, computer science and AI and looking at what the impact will be on recruitment and selection. Fantastic. Well, indeed, a lot of uh, very uh, interesting expertise to bring to play and, and obviously part of a, a bigger group. But um, it'll be uh, really great to get your thoughts today uh, on that research. And we're going to cover a, a number of things uh, in the podcast today. So uh, talking a little bit about why uh, you think generative AI is such a big deal and what we need and what talent acquisition needs to be aware of. Um, how tools like ChatGPT are being used and what that means for uh, candidate selection. And then we'll wrap up the end with some, some takeaways and key thoughts for TA leaders um, on the impact of ChatGPT and particularly for them and their recruitment and selection processes. So let's get started um, on, on some of these, these big questions. So first of all, actually, perhaps let's just talk to us about what do you understand artificial intelligence is because that's something that is banded around all the time with many different definitions some people you know talk about it as an algorithm some people talk about it as mimicking human thought mm. what is artificial intelligence i like how we're starting with the easy questions here <laughs> so uh, a commonly accepted definition that i've heard a lot and i think a lot of people are working under is that artificial intelligence is the ability for machines or algorithms to perform tasks that are typically associated with human intelligence, such as learning or problem solving. I think the issue and the complexity comes when those tasks are broken down such that, let's say, a computer program can do them, and then suddenly they're no longer typically associated with human intelligence. And so we stop thinking of them as being a an AI solution. And a good example of that is perhaps chess, where it was mm. once seen as the realm of geniuses and this distinctly human feat. And then once you get uh, a computer algorithm to brute force a solution to chess and start beating masters, suddenly, rather than thinking, oh, wow, this is artificial intelligence, we're starting to think about, well, 
is chess really a good test? Is it really, does it really require intelligence or not? And I feel like that's sort of a, it shows how in AI and the definition of AI is kind of has a, a moving goalpost built into it, where once we've broken something down into its components such that we can actually automate it, it no longer holds the same mystery. Uh, and I think AI needs to be differentiated as well from the concept of AGI, which is the artificial general intelligence, where it's, uh, th the definition I would use for that is uh, an, an agent or a model that is conscious and that is able to perform a range of tasks that normally require human intelligence. And particularly, it's able to extrapolate away from uh, what it knows and is able to do unfamiliar tasks to do things it hasn't seen before. And I think it's useful to place ChatGPT on that spectrum, perhaps. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not AGI. What it is, is it has sparks potentially of AGI. That's what some people are saying. However, it's definitely an AI tool that is able to, uh, in many cases, actually exceed human performance on specific tasks. And that's what I'm really excited to get into today in the context of assessment tasks. But also, I think it applies generally to a lot of uh, ways that we use it day to day. It's more than just uh, an algorithm and a statistical method, but it's not at, at the, you get to the general intelligence level where you're determining your own objectives. This, this is ultimately what we're talking about here, is, uh, is a way for humans to be able to work with an application um, that uh, is able to enhance human thinking, complement human thinking. Yeah, it is an algorithm, but it's, uh, I mean, it's difficult to assess how conscious it is, uh, but uh, you know, it, it's fairly certain that it isn't conscious and, uh, you know, we can use it like a tool. Sure, and I think that's going to be the, the important thing here is how we understand it is to use it like a tool. So let's get into uh, a little bit more detail around that and, and specifically look at um, ChatGPT, for example, mm. and... What is, what is a large language model? People talk about generative AI and then large language models. So perhaps you could just sort of summarize a bit of what, what makes ChatGPT and its equivalent so interesting and so exciting and, and, and such a major development. Yeah, uh, very good question. I think it's good to set the foundations for what we're talking about here. And the way that I would break it down, and uh, for the record, I'm not the uh, absolute expert in this, but from my understanding and, and the way that I've worked with it, it basically is there's a foundational model that is just capturing the statistical patterns that are present in languages, and these can be you know, spoken languages, English and, and, and German, let's say, but also coding languages and, and the formatting of basically all the text and content on the internet. That's which a lot gives of you content. Yeah, it's it's I mean in the case of GPT-4 it's pet, a petabyte of data or 1000 terabytes of data. Um, but that's just the underlying model. Uh, that's the language model. And then what gets you to the the chat model or this concept of ChatGPT which ChatGPT pioneered but is certainly not exclusive uh, is this idea of reinforcement learning with human feedback. And that's where you take this underlying model of just language and text output and you train it using actual human dialogue and conversations and a lot of like man hours of rating its outputs to try to get it to adopt a role of a, 
uh, I think uh, Anthropic, which is another company, uh, a com sort of a competitor or an equal to OpenAI, has explicitly trained their chat model to be a, I think I have, I don't want to say something wrong, so I have the notes here, a helpful, ha honest, and, and harmless uh, assistant. And that's, that's really the personality, I guess, and here we're getting into what we're going to talk about later. It's the, the instructions that have been enforced into this model and into this, uh, these, these tools through this uh, reinforcement learning uh, policy. And that gives rise to a whole range of different abilities and unique characteristics that take it beyond just a statistical algorithm and actually something that you can interact with in much the same way as you would a colleague or uh, some conversation partner. And, and I think that's really interesting, that point, that it's more than just the typical chatbot that we've all been exposed to <laughs> when uh, yeah. trying to deal with a problem at Vodafone or Thames Water. Miles better. <laughs> and and I think that's, for, for me, that what I, I, I think to bring this into play a bit more is, is so transformational, about it, is, is this ability to mimic the human conversational process and and thinking and I, I even got it to write my mother's day uh, <laughs> card with a with an Irish ditty that was focused on dogs and golf and it came up with something that was brilliant and I just did it through conversation and, and is that what you think is going to be so transformational about this that it's it learns from you and you can train it, but you can do it in a way that doesn't require any specific expertise or skill? It's definitely uh, a really uh, big benefit of this type of interface. So for context, the way that I've been using, I use it day to day uh, to help me code, for example. And, and it's, it's a really fantastic way of working because uh, it completely changes the skill sets that I need uh, to use in my day-to-day -day work. So it goes from, you know, knowing what the best library is to transform a, like a, a best coding library to, to transform a data set. Uh, and really like my, my rote memorization, understanding of different coding languages. And it really shifts the emphasis onto my critical thinking ability and my ability to break down a quite complex problem into quite easy steps. Uh, such that perhaps an intern could understand it. And then you can give that problem to ChatGPT in that format, just like you'd explain it to someone else. And they will, it will give you output that will be you know, fully fleshed out code. And then the critical thinking skills come in, uh, where it's like you review the code's output and you figure out what, where, what works and what doesn't or where it can be done better. But you're not working just from nothing. You're working from a, a really useful starting point, And that's what ChatGPT gives you. Uh, but definitely within that, you start seeing its reasoning ability and its ability to take concepts and translate them into useful actions. And I think if you extend that further, uh, the, the interfaces with which uh, we now interact with ChatGPT and other models are really bare bones. They're the, the minimal viable product, so to speak, uh, that are just needed to get ChatGPT out the door. Uh, but these are going to improve exponentially to the point where we won't even realize that we're using uh, or interacting with large language models. They'll just be helpful assistants uh, that are integrated within all the tools that we use. You know, Microsoft's uh, uh, suite of tools or Google Gmail. It'd be great if it could write all my emails for me, for example. Mm -hmm. 
but that's really why we're taking it seriously, uh, at least in my team. And uh, it's really interesting to see what its core reasoning abilities are as well. Sure. So a really cool tool with reasoning ability that's going to be very easy for all of us to use. So you can see why there's a lot of hype uh, around this and something that will be quite ubiquitous. If I may as well. Mm. Uh, So I think the one thing that I'd like to pull out from that is that the underlying skill sets that are needed to be, you know, to be good in my role have changed because it's a lot more on these soft skills or these very human skills of uh, critical thinking and reasoning and being able to break down problems and understand what questions to ask or how to use tools, uh, and rather than these rote memorization skills. And so ChatGPT is really going to change the skills that we need in the workplace and the skills that we need to assess in candidates, for example. Fascinating. I'll, I'll come back to that a bit later because that will link a lot to the, the mm. actual research as well. But before we get to that, what's you talked a little bit about minimum viable product, but we're already on chat GPT four versus three. What's the difference between the two and is it marginal or what can we expect as well going forward? Sure. So GPT-3 versus GPT-4. And by GPT-3, I mean, and you'll, you'll hear different terms for it, but it's it's GPT-3.5 or 3.5 Turbo. They're all basically the same class of models. It's all GPT-3. It's the same thing. It's just different speeds and different ways of interacting with the model. But GPT-4 has really been a step change, and it's a fundamentally larger and better model. So because OpenAI is is a private company and it's closed source, we don't know the exact uh, parameter values that uh, that differentiate them. What we do know, or what has been rumored, is that GPT-4 isn't just one model. It's actually up to you know eight different models, each of which are huge and are actually providing different in, different outputs based on whatever we ask it in the prompts that then use what's called a mixture of experts paradigm in order to combine all of the information across its different models. And the models have been trained on, uh, and this is where uh, the stat from before comes in, it's the the petabyte of data, which is basically the entire internet plus all of the interactions that have been conducted with ChatGPT3 have been fed into ChatGPT4. So I think GPT-3 uses maybe, I think, 45 terabytes of data, and this is 20, 25 times larger. Plus, you have what's called the parameters of the neural network, uh, which are, uh, or the the transformer model, which are between a trillion and 10 trillion different uh, parameters and weightings that you can modify in the model. Uh, And so it's, it's an order of magnitude larger, which means that it can actually do tasks that we thought were previously in the realm of just human beings. Have you got any examples uh, of that, of how much it's, it's more? And this is relevant, of course, because you know, when, when people are thinking about ChatGPT and its power and its use, and they're looking at three versus four, there is a big difference there yeah. in, in what the capability, and one is behind a paywall, ChatGPT4, and one isn't. Definitely, and, yeah. and so that has some implications as well. So, 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 what's the the? It is clearly using a lot more data, mm-hmm. and but that is able enable enabling it to perf- significantly perform better as well in in normal human cognitive type of tasks. 
Yeah, definitely. So it has more consistency in its responses. It's able to like hold more information. It's got a larger what's called context window, so you can give it more information to work with, and it's able to really translate context uh, in uh, to incredible accuracy. But it also has some sense of what the things in our daily life mean, and and uh, it's able to, for example, take nine different objects. Uh, you can give it nine random objects and say what's the best way of balancing them on top of each other. This is a, a, a famous example. And uh, GPT-3 would just treat these objects in a way that shows no understanding of what those objects actually mean for us, you know. Uh, and and GPT-4 could take, uh, you know, a book, nine eggs, uh, a water bottle, and a nail, and it knows not to balance the nine eggs on top of the point of the nail. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, uh, you know, GPT-3 would put them in a random order, for example. Right. And that might seem like a trivial example, but it shows that it's able to work with concepts that are in our world. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll see that as we get on to the research into, uh, you know, reasoning tasks and, and aptitude assessments, which are trying to measure how, uh, humans are able to make sense of con uh, concepts and combine a whole range of, of different sources of information to you know get arrive at an answer ChatGPT 4 in particular can start getting at those uh, those answers so that's really interesting so ChatGPT for much better thinking capability can arrive at our answers and that leads us then into what does that mean for talent acquisition and selection processes mm. around this and it'd be lovely to get your perspective and thoughts on what we really should be worrying about with GPT or not because there is one school of thought that says brilliant chat GPT help write cover letters help use it in whichever way you can it'll level the playing field because now you'll have an AI assistant that will overcome your schooling background, take away the advantage of those that maybe have, you know had extra support and help. So on the one hand, it's it's a it's a great arrival and 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 support to social mobility. And then on the other hand, there is a sort of darker side here that you allude to that this is something that it can be trained and used to come up with answers in, in, in the way that we normally try and select and understand who's good for a role and who's not for one. So where is that what the research looked into? Where's, where's, what's your perspective on this? Is, is this going to be, is it a panacea mm -hmm. or is it a problem, I suppose? So it definitely has positives and negatives. I think potentially a good industry or sector to look into is the education sector. And there we see that it's revolutionizing how assessments, educational assessments are, are being conducted, but also how education works and happens. So uh, we now have uh, cheating, for example, was always an issue in education. And we've had uh, you have essay farms in different parts of the world that write essays for uh, you know British and American college students. But now ChatGPT democratizes that ability such that anyone can do it, which forces a fundamental shift in what uh, and how assessments work in education. And now, actually, a lot of classrooms are being flipped on their head and they're doing assessments in the classroom in a proctored environment, but actually doing learning and revision at home uh, with uh, the help of ChatGPT. And I think ChatGPT will end up helping uh, a lot of people do their work and understand concepts better. But it basically, because it's 
leading to a fundamental change in what it means to, to be a, a worker or a student. It means that the methods that we're using to assess people need to change and evolve as well. That's fascinating. So we can clearly learn something from the education sector here. And if I just play that that back, what you're alluding to there, that education always used to be that you would do your study and uh, prep. You, you'd you'd uh, in the classroom, you'd be told you know what to learn, and then you'd you'd go away, write up a bit, and then you'd be assessed almost externally. But now we're flipping and saying that because of these tools are out there, that actually the assessment will happen in the classroom to see that you've really understood it because the, the the tools for you to work and understand and learn are best used outside of the classroom rather than in the classroom. Yeah, exactly. And 50% of uh, uni students have now been, you know, uh, publicly surveyed and have said that they're going to, well, uh, uni students have now been publicly surveyed and 50% of them have actually said, yeah, I'm using ChatGPT to help me with my coursework. So this is a fact that uh, at least uni students are comfortable using these tools to help them. And so we're forced to, to, to flip, it on, flip it on its head and flip these classrooms around and we're forced to actually do educational assessments uh, in a proctored environment. And I think that's, you know, it, it's the, the students in one or two years time are gonna be applying for graduate roles, for example. And, and so I think our industry also needs to look really long and hard at, at what ChatGPT means for the assessment process and which assessments are vulnerable to ChatGPT. Absolutely fascinating, and I, and and I think that you, what we've learned, I suppose, from the education sector is this uh, detect and deter uh, strategy didn't work there. The, the ChatGPT is being used by everybody. Embrace it. Yeah. Uh, this is not something that's used by a small group of people to cheat in the way that other people uh, might have done in the you know, the essay factories that you alluded to earlier. This is something everybody's using. It's a normal part of education. Mm. And so we need to embrace it rather than no. demonize it. And AI detection models, for example, don't work. Uh, sort of 70% of AI examples aren't flagged up as uh, as being AI. And I think two out of 10, uh, in two out of 10 cases, actually, human uh, work is flagged up as AI work. Right. Uh, so there's such a big overlap between how humans respond to things and how ChatGPT responds to things that there's no real good signal for these AI detection systems to really start working. Right. Uh, and it would be a total disaster. I, you know, as the father of two kids, I'd be horrified if, if you know, my daughter or son had been ac accused uh, of genuinely after they genuinely written something that was written by AI and you've got no way of being able to prove it other than somebody else's algorithm that malfunctioned yeah. so uh, none of us would would want to be you know rejecting a good candidate for for absolutely the the wrong reasons so that lends itself to then start thinking about two things that we've got here which is one is how how serious a threat is this to 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 being able chat gpt to manipulate the traditional ways that we have um uh, assessed people and then we'll come on after that to what we should actually be measuring uh in in candidate selection for the kind of things we're going to need people to do in the future which are about to change because of chat gpt yeah so let's start off with the first one and i think that's what you've done some research perhaps you could just share with us 
what type of research you've been doing and and how you've been doing it to understand is chat gpt at a point where it can take the traditional psychometric assessments that we're used to in the same capacity as a human would hmm. yeah so we've looked at four different assessment types we've looked at traditional assessments and that's we've used verbal reasoning assessments and numeracy assessments so these are traditional aptitude assessments and then we've also looked at situational judgment tests and then lastly we've looked at personality assessments and in particular question-based personality uh, sort of self-report surveys and we found some very interesting research so for verbal reasoning for example uh, which is the classic format where you have uh, a passage of text giving you some information and then you have to decide whether or not a statement is true false or cannot say based on that passage of information uh, and we used to have one of those assessments ourselves so as a proxy for these types of assessments generally we've actually taken our own assessment and we've looked at how vulnerable it is to ChatGPT's input and what we found is that both ChatGPT3 and GPT4 show above average human performance uh, with a range of prompting styles uh, and even you know, basic prompting. And we've, we've published some research about this now, but basically with GPT-4 and what's called a chain of thought prompting style, where you give it one example uh, as a reference example, it's able to score better than 98.8% of all candidates wow. who've ever completed our assessment. And this is tested using what's called the API, uh, which is like an, an interface to access the model, which allows you to, to really test it at scale, which was important for us. But I think it's important to emphasize here that we've, uh, it is very easy for candidates to, for example, just scan uh, the image of the text on their phone and input that into uh, the chat GPT app, for example. And as we were referencing, the interfaces and the UI for these models is currently very bare, uh, bare bones because it's just written by, it's created by a, a group of developers. But as investment starts getting put into these uh, these models, these user interfaces are going to improve massively to the point where you can just connect it to whatever browser interface that you're you're completing an assessment on. And I think it's key to note here that. Uh, Google Bard, which is the Google's version of the large language model, specifically in its instructions is targeting the uh, the ability uh, to complete or to write cover letters or write CVs, and it's also able to uh, to complete a whole range of activities. They're going into education as well, for example. So they're not afraid to build functionality to allow people to start using these models in different ways and use them in actual assessment contexts, and. Uh, numeracy was one where uh, we have a string of numbers where one of the numbers is missing and you need to work out a pattern for uh, what the missing, what, that, that will lead you to what the missing number is and input that missing number. And that actually, GPT-4 and 3 uh, sort of default, by default, performed below the human baseline. Hmm. However, we found that with the right prompting styles, and these are different prompting styles than were successful for verbal reasoning, the performance was actually sort of at the human average or above average, which is really concerning, especially given that, you know, sift points for, for aptitude assessments, you know, are often the 30th or the 50th percentile. So you don't need to be much better than the average human uh, candidate to be able to get through using one of these tools. 
I think the interesting thing then is, uh, so following on from that, we looked at you know what its overall reasoning ability is, and if it's able to reason with everyday workplace scenarios in the format of, of SJTs. And there as well, similar to verbal reasoning, we found really good performance across the board, but also a difference between GPT-3 and GPT-4. So GPT-3 got around 55 to 60% of SJT questions correct, whereas GPT-4 got between 65 and 75% of, of reasoning items correct. And that's a real notable difference. And GPT-4 is scoring you know, around the 70th percentile compared to like human test takers, which really shows that these types of assessments of what we thought were critical thinking abilities or reasoning abilities or, or workplace behavior are now feasible to complete using the help of ChatGPT. Wow. So the research that you found, anything that was language-centric, like verbal reasoning or even situational judgment yeah. test, uh, ChatGPT significantly outperformed the, the average. Yeah. And there was also a, a significant and material difference between ChatGPT4, which is behind a paywall, and ChatGPT3, which is free. Yeah. So that raises a, a social mobility challenge again. Those Definitely. who've got money uh, can can have advantage. Yeah, you can buy better performance. You can, which is, you know, we've we've been desperately over the last ten years you know, trying to, to get away from that. So that's that's a really important finding that it is, and, and with fairly basic, so you talked about five different prompting styles, but even at the most basic ones, it was able to perform at the human average or above. Yeah. So that, that raises some pretty significant challenges for any recruitment practice then that is using a text-based a process yeah. for trying to understand who to move forward to the next stage and, and who to say thank you very much but you're not right for us. Definitely and I would go further and even say long term the only way of defending or uh, yeah defending these traditional text-based assessments against uh, ChatGPT is to use uh, to use proctoring. Right. So if you, if you can't deter and detect, so you've got a design question here too. So your understanding and your sort of lessons from this are that because it's language, anything that's language-based fundamentally has a design problem to it to be able to do it remotely. Yep. And the only way you can get around that is bringing everybody into a hall, uh, which... You know, I know from talking to other parents, it's hard enough to get invigilators to do exams, oh. let alone to ask them to come in to do <laughs> job tests. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty significant challenge that's going to be coming up for people on this. That yeah. you know, you if you're using a traditional approach with large amounts of text and language in there, ChatGPT. No. will be able to outperform a human. If it's not next, if it's not this year, it's going to be the coming years for sure. Like as we extend this long term, and that I think uh, is 
is a nice chance actually now to talk about the our own research into our own tasks mm. because we've applied the same methodologies that we've used in our examination of our, our traditional assessments and other types of assessments that are commonly used to our own tasks. And actually, because we've designed them from the ground up to not include masses of text and to not be the simple question-answer format, we haven't really been able to easily use the, 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 the same techniques on our own assessments that we have on other assessments. And we've really had to kind of push the envelope and basically to, to get ChatGPT to really even get to grips with our assessment format, you basically need to code a bot that will somehow connect the ChatGPT model uh, with whatever is being shown on screen and like translate that into text. Uh, and once you go into the bot uh, sort of connection, that becomes a lot more easy to detect. Uh, and we found that that really our tasks are designed from the ground up to be a lot more resistant to these methodologies. Now, the input methods and how we interact with these models and how these models interact with our world will continue to evolve, of course. Uh, and, but that's something that we're taking seriously and that we're monitoring uh, very closely in our own data, but also uh, just researching what the cutting edge versions of these models are that are out there. So the solution that you're sort of putting forward here is either proctoring, get everybody into a hall, and then you can see that they can't cheat it en masse in, in that way, or actually go to more and more a different style of psychometric assessment, which is more task-based, doesn't mm -hmm. use text. Um, uh, there's still potentially some vulnerabilities there, as what you're research found too. I think there's one thing to add though, which is, uh, I've heard it referenced quite frequently, which is item timing. And especially with like traditional aptitude assessments, you can set item by item timings. Uh, and these might work in the short term when the item timings are set very short on specific items, because then you can time the, the, the test out before ChatGPT has a chance to respond. But by doing that, you're also increasing the cognitive load of these assessments. Uh, which can lead to things like increased adverse impact and, and reduced social mobility. Uh, so it has its own drawbacks and it's it's bad for the the uh, for the candidate experience. And also, you know, these models are improving and getting faster and more specialized uh, every day or every month. So we're soon going to reach the point where there's going to be no difference in a human response time and a uh, AI assisted response time. That's at least my prediction over the next year or two. Sure. So that's you know something really for you know the talent acquisition and that's involved in assessment and selection to be really mindful of. Um, so okay, so the research has, has shown that there are some some really big issues to think about there. The second part of what um, I'd like to talk a bit about now, what ChatGPT raises too, you, we've got a, a challenge not just of the way that we've assessed what we want to find out about people and whether they're suitable for a role. But there's also that question of what we should be assessing for. And you spoke a little bit about that earlier, that by ChatGPT will actually change the type and style and the way that we work. You've already shared with us as to how what that means for you. And suddenly you've got access to coding skills and coding support that you know, you'd have needed a separate human to have done that for you um, in the past. 
So what does that mean then, you know, from your research, your own thinking and your understanding of Chappie, that what are we going to need to... To, to, to be assessing for in the future? Because if we're not going to be assessing for your pure processing capability, which is what we used to in the past, how well you processed information, then w what's the human element that's going to be important to the future of work that we, sh we should be looking for in the future? So I think that's something that we need to work out collectively as an, as an industry and, and see how these tools start changing our working styles and therefore the skills that are required. Uh, I think the future of work uh, is is one where human skills are super important and also these fundamental sort of uh, critical reasoning skills and and our personality and, and what we bring to our interactions with others that will start playing a big role. And also, you know, the skills that are needed to start interacting with these AI models in a way that gets them to produce useful output. So it's really something that is is going to cause a radical shift in the industry, uh, and it's one where I think what we measure at Arctic Shores uh, offers a, a really uh, a really future focused perspective of the human at work in the age of ChatGPT. I think we just need to look, for example, at the impact of the spreadsheets on accounting mm. to kind of see a an example or an indication of what, uh, how roles might change with the presence of ChatGPT. So uh, when the spreadsheet was introduced in the 80s, uh, accountants used to take a week to uh, to redraw all of the numbers uh, and and you know change one variable, and now they can do that in a matter of hours or minutes, and that meant that uh, between 1980 and, and 2015, you know, 40,000 sort of entry level accounting clerks lost their jobs, but actually we've created 60 uh, 600,000 uh, sort of accounting roles and positions because accounting became cheaper and people started asking more what-if questions and higher, more complex questions. Uh, and so the type of roles that we're hiring for in an industry have changed massively and the skill sets have changed. And ChatGPT has the potential to have that impact on every industry in one form or another. And so we really need to think about what those roles will be and what skill sets are going to be important there. Fascinating. Uh, really useful analogy so 40,000 bookkeepers disappeared 400,000 oh, 400,000 400, bookkeepers disappeared but 600,000 new uh, accountants then uh, got created in that time so we can see that actually generative AI will create more jobs than it will uh, remove uh, most likely um, and it'll just require some different types of skills for us to think about, and so we 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 have to be thinking about those roles and what the skills are that's going to be involved in them. Yeah. And you know, what, one of the things where I think this this sort of very interesting is you know the the whole thing around scrap the CV and past experience not being you know the best measure of of what you are capable in the future become even more relevant now because actually your past experience as a bookkeeper to use your you know analogy is irrelevant in the world of the spreadsheet and and there will be the equivalent in generative ai whatever it is your past experience doing something that was largely repetitive or didn't require a huge amount of 
uh, I think what you termed sort of higher level human capability will now mean that you know you 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 have a different type of role and therefore a different type of set of skills you're going to need to look for train for and and assess for um okay so that's that's the and you've got some is there some further research that's then gonna what, what's where where do you think this is all gonna go for us then jasper so uh, we're currently looking into the impact of ChatGPT for personality. And by the time this comes out, uh, this research might also already be published. Uh, but the, the high level insights that I can share now is that ChatGPT has its own personality. Uh, mm. And uh, that is the baseline personality, which is it is inputted into the model through this reinforcement learning process that I mentioned earlier. Uh, is is actually one of what we've defined as like an ideal working profile. So the model responds in a way that has high conscientiousness, high agreeableness, and low neuroticism, which is pretty ideal for any job. But actually, you know, you can just give it the job description of a role. Let's say a candidate wants to use it to, to pass a self-report personality assessment. They can give it the job description of the, or job advert for the role that they're applying for or a similar one online. Uh, and actually say, you know, optimize your responses according to the ideal profile, the ideal employee of this in this role, and it will modify its responses. So, for example, the baseline GPT extroversion is sort of a medium of uh, sort of three out of five uh, on a one to five scale. If you give it the job description for a business development executive, a sales role, uh, it actually boosts the extroversion score to five out of five, both in GPT-3 and GPT-4. So we're digging into this more, and there's a lot more research that's going to come out around this. And it, you know, we're we're working, we're building on uh, the work of academics, and we're not alone in researching this in the in the wider industry in the wider field. Uh, but it's certainly really interesting to see how these benchmarks and models change uh, and what's going to be possible in future. Because if you would have asked me six months ago, uh, would this be possible? I would have said flat out no. But the research has really changed my perspective on it. And, you know, extending that out six months, one year in advance, you know, uh, it's really going to change in that time too, I predict. As to where that leaves us, uh, I, I'd be interested in hearing your insights and, and, and your perspective based on what you've heard today, uh, but it's certainly gonna be a really interesting place. It is, I, I think that's going to surprise a lot of people out there that ChatGPT has its own personality and or has personality traits that can be measured and shown uh, to to be prevalent in the way that it responds and that you, uh, through a bit of prompting engineering, can manipulate that response to suit a particular persona type. And that, that, that changes a lot of things about how uh, a lot of, you know, if you think all the applications, that the big assumption when we moved from paper-based to the online world in 2000 was that, oh, we're going to get all this better applications because we can shift it offline to somebody can, can do it in their own home. And now they'll be able to do it in a way that we, we won't know who the authentic person 
hmm. is when we we look at an application form there is is that the real Robert Nury that's just applied for this or is that the generative AI Robert Nury or is it just a generative AI that happened to use Robert Nury's persona and got nothing to do with me yeah and potentially we may not know that so definitely that's that's going to have to take some some serious thought around all of that but Jasper thank you so much for for all your thoughts uh, around this we've we've learned some fasc- fascinating things here we we've understood uh, really what artificial intelligence and intelligence is about differences between chat GPT 3 and 4 I think the key takeaways for me what I've learned from you today is that it's transformational and transformational beyond what we can probably currently perceive in terms where this will take us in the in the end state of all of this it's early days there is clearly a lot of still a lot of hype around this but it's important to understand where this is going what chat gpt is actually capable of um i think what's clear is that it everybody's using it and it's going to be out there that that this is a tool like a calculator you embrace it learn from the educational world on this one there is no point trying to paint generative ai as a force of evil and you know cheating mechanism it's Mm. the the the, you know the horse has bolted from from that one definitely uh, on that and then uh we have to think about how that's going to change the way that we work too that there is a positive in all of this is we're going to move to use your analogy from the bookkeeper to the accountant and so we'll have to start thinking about well what does that generative ai accountant world uh look like and we'll have to keep coming back and talking to you, Jasper, about your latest research because clearly there's there's a lot still to, to come from this. Maybe next time there'll be a generative AI robot that's uh, that's doing the interview. But yeah, in well, meantime, I'll be obsolete. <laughs> thank you very much for for all your your thoughts. Thank you, Robert. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I look forward to seeing how this evolves. And everyone at Arctic Shores is going to be looking really closely at the impact that this has, not only for ourselves, but for the industry as a whole, and really seeing how we, uh, where we fit in a world where we're no longer the only intelligence or reasoning ability that's out there. Uh, But it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, Jasper. Thanks for listening. If you found the insights in this episode valuable, don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. And if you have a moment, please do rate and review the podcast. Apparently, it helps more people like you find us.